0: You know, we are starting a... Series this week, a sermon series we're calling "Better Together." Don't you love those little blobs walking? Emily does a great job with those graphics. That's a good time, uh, you know. After the fact, we're talking this morning and uh, we're talking about the sermon series name and, and Jacob threw out off the cuff uh, from from rejected to connected. I thought that I missed I, that would have been great, but I missed that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, call it what you want from rejected and connected or better. Together. No, I'm kidding. So, Better Together, uh, we're going to be talking about, man, the power of community. And, you know, I didn't necessarily grow up in a church at all like this. And so, I got saved my senior year of high school. And I remember coming to church the first time, and there were some peculiar things, at least peculiar to me, because I didn't grow up in a church family. So I remember coming in, and this is, uh, I was a new believer in Minnesota, so I go to this big church, and, <clears throat> you know, first of all, people raising hands, that was weird to me. And then there was this, like, partitioned-off area where there's, like, this lady dancing. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. And then something I remember, now, given, this is my own insecurity, speaking, as a man, uh, I remember seeing guys walk around with journals. And I'm like, well, that's weird. It's like, cute journal, bro, you know? Now listen, journaling's very manly and I don't have a shelf of journals. It's good for us men to be in tune with our emotions. So let's, let's journal, guys, you know? But at the time, I was like, this is super weird. A bunch of bros walking around with journals and crosses on them. Well, come on, you know? <laughs> Who are these people? And then I remember uh, I, someone was like, hey, I want to take you to lunch. And this guy takes him like, you just asked me all these questions about my life. I'm like, get off me, dude, you know, what, what the heck, you know, <laughs> just trying to enjoy my food, you know, and then, you know, I go to college, I'm in, I go to Antioch and Texas, and I get involved in this life group, and I totally remember, because I was the most secure person in the room, I was sizing people up in the room, thinking, I'm more spiritual than that person, <laughs> and I'm more spiritual than that person, and who's these people? They're jokers, you know, whatever. Why does this person have their shoes off? You know, what, what's up with that? You know, they're, they're barefoot, and it's like, why are they doing that in worship? Uh, so anyways, but over time, uh, people just loved me, you know? I wasn't an easy person to love. I was very strong and opinionated, and, uh, and but people loved me, and what happened was I realized I had some walls up in my life, that I wasn't even aware of. You see, in high school, I, I knew everybody. I was captain of sports. I was leading all these things. But what I realized was, although I knew everybody, I was alone. Somehow, even though I was you know, leading all these things and, and, and everybody knew me and I was friends with everybody, I was isolated. And it wasn't until... I got in a community that would love me in my mess and love me as I am and, and, and just walk with me in the journey. Things started to break in my life that were strongholds. Fears started to break open, and I began to be comfortable in my own skin, and I realized I'd lived my life isolated with these walls up, trying to be everyone for everyone, everything for everyone. And yet, insecure in my own skin. God began to set me free. And I wonder how many people can relate to that. How many people here, you know, you know people and you have things going on and people in your life, but in our heart of hearts, maybe we still feel alone or isolated and we that gnaws at us when we go to bed at night or it gnaws at us when we come home and we have no one to talk to or, or some of us, maybe we even feel isolated in our marriage. You know, there's a 2019 survey that Cigna did that showed that 58% of Americans feel like they have no one in their life that knows, us, that knows them well. 58%, that's over half of peoples, we walk around, that would say, I have no one in my life that knows me well. First of all, what a great opportunity for the church to be the church in the world, right? But secondly, I would bet that some of us, because some of you can relate to my journey. You know, Mother Teresa said it like this, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. Loneliness is a leprosy in the modern world. You see, as I said, it's possible to know a lot of people but still be alone. You know, just a few things that might kind of be fruit of isolation in our life. We might be isolated if we feel like we have no one we can really talk to. You might be isolated if no one really knows the inner working of your your life. Uh, in fact the guy that planted uh, our church down in Tijuana he walked with me in my college years I remember I was just talking and talking and talking and talking he's just like looking at his watch like man because I had no one to talk to for years about what was going on and it' was, like this like ball of yarn you know came up and uh, if we have no one to talk to we might be alone We might be isolated if we don't feel like we have a relationship we can be vulnerable in we might be isolated if we feel like we have no one to really carry the load with us, that when things fall apart, we have people that are not going to run from us, but run to us. We might be isolated if there might be someone, uh, or if we don't have someone in our life that's really going to say the hard thing to us when we need to hear it, that when, when, when we've got a blind spot, do we have someone that's not going to look the other way because it's awkward, but rather someone that's going to take us out to lunch and say, hey, I love you enough to tell you this. And I want to look at a story in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, some passages. Um, it talks about uh, someone who's isolated, and then it talks about the power and the reasons why community and relationships with other people are significant. And so um, we're going to go there. We're first going to look at this uh, this little story, this adversity about this isolated person. Then we're going to look at the why is community significant and what are some markers of, of kind of biblical, life-changing community. <clears throat> Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. Now as we read this, the book of Ecclesiastes written by David's son Solomon, and it's an observation. is um, an observation on um, how life apart from God can be meaningless. And so he calls this kind of life apart from God under the sun. So if you'd read Ecclesiastes, you'd be looking at some of this. And so we're gonna take a look here, starting at verse seven. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. He's talking about living life on this earth apart from God. Vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is also vanity and an unhappy business. We're going to pause there. And so what he's painting a picture of is this person Now this person had worked hard, this person had prioritized their life around their responsibilities, this person was on top of things, they were on their A game, they were successful in the eyes of people. They had the car, they had the thing, they had the job, they had the degrees, they had the career, this person was successful in the eyes of people and yet later in their life they looked around and no one was with them. They had stuff, but they didn't have people to share it with. And they realized, what have I been working for all these years? Because I missed that which really is life. And it says right here it says this is vanity, and, and this is an unhappy business. It reminds me of the story that Jesus told of someone who was successful, worked hard, and uh, built their treasure on this earth, and they were so successful, they had to build barns to hold their harvest. And Jesus says, well, what are you storing up treasure for in this life? Because this very day, your life could be taken from you. And they would stand before God and wonder, man, I, I, I did what was successful, but I missed that which was truly success. Back to the creation story in Genesis, if you're familiar with that, chapters one and two, you see God create different things on different days, and at each step of the way, he says, and it was good. He created light and darkness, it was good. He created, uh, he he separated the heavens and the earth, he said it was good. He, He created animals, he said it was good, he created plants, he said it was good, he created humankind, he created you. And he said it was good. He's pleased with what he made in you. But there was one thing in chapter two he said was not good. Do you guys know what that is? It's not good for man to be alone. Now, we often think in the Christian world, for some reason, this is a marriage verse. Uh, And let me just set some of y'all free. Uh, This verse is not saying you have no life until you're married. Can I just set some of y'all free? (laughs) What it's talking about, it's not good to be isolated from other people. And by the way, if you're isolated and then get married, it's not going to fix your problem. You got to fix your loneliness level on a heart level before you get married, by the way. So God says, it's good, 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 it's good. And it's not good. The one thing that's not good is for mankind, men or women, to be isolated apart from others. Now, I want to look at this, the beginning of this next verse, verse 9. It says, as a follow up now, two are better than one. Two are better than one. And I know we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, we went through the stat, and we went through the Mother Teresa quote, and I get it. Sounds good. But but I want to, do we really believe that? Because it might be better, but it's harder. If you're not sure, try marriage out, you know. It's like two people with like two different ways of putting the toilet paper on, you know. I uh, still don't know why my wife's family does it backwards, but I don't know. you know? Uh, two people that make decisions different ways, two people with different personality types. Right? And it's not just marriage, it's relationships. Relationships, if you're really going to get real, it's hard. Relationships are slower. It's easier just to do life on my own. Sometimes I can go at my own pace. I't know for me, I don't like to slow down. I like things fast. I like things efficient. And the reality is, when I'm in line or in traffic or sometimes in life, I feel like people get in my way. Now, I know I'm not alone in that uh, sentiment. Relationships are not only harder and slower, but they're riskier. Because, you see, if you really go past surface relationships, If you really want to go past, oh, what do you like to do for fun, and let's do that, which isn't bad, but if you really want to go past that, guess what? That's risky. That means you might open yourself up, and then someone's going to be a human being and hurt you. You might open yourself up to someone, and then they're going to fall short someone along the way. You're going to open yourself up to someone, they're not going to understand you. You're going to open yourself up to someone, and they might sin against you and cause pain. And I want to say, that's, that's risky. You see, the Bible says that we're made in God's image, and it is good. And then in Genesis chapter 3, enter in more people, and what happens? is They sin against God and one another, and sin enters into the world. And the result of that in the fall was they hid from one another. They hid from God, and they hid from one another. And then what do they do? They started blaming and accusing one another for their problems, God said it's good, and it's good to be in relationship with one another, but when sin enters into relationship, which that's all of us, what happens is we put on veneers of who we want to project ourselves to be, and then we start hurting one another. And so for us, sometimes it feels good to be alone, and it's not good to be in relationship because of this thing called sin and brokenness. But the good news is, no matter how much we've been hurt, and you might be here today and I don't want to open myself up again because I hurt last time I did that. Jesus came as a minister. He's a God of reconciliation. In fact, the Bible says that he has and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, first back with God and then to one another. God has given us a ministry of reconciliation that no matter how hurt we are, the good news of Jesus is that we can be healed of the past and receive a love from God that is greater than the love that comes and goes from people. So that we can boldly enter again into relationship with people and risk being hurt again. And some of you today, you're not sure about your relationship with God. And I want to say that no matter what you've done, God wants to reconcile you back to him not by being a better person, but by him coming in and dying for your sin and my sin and forgiving you today once and for all so that you could come back to God, not by your works, but by his love and forgiveness of you. And some of you, maybe you need to take that step today and come back to Jesus and fall into his arms in grace and say, I need you, Jesus. But because God gives us the strength to do community and to do relationship with one another, I want to look at the four both benefits but also markers of real deep kind of intimate community that God wants to give us. And we see it right here in verses 9 through 12. So I'm going to kind of move through these. Let's look again at verse 9. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. They have good reward for their toil. God made us to be more productive together. God made us to be productive together. Any uh, football fans You got Super Bowl coming up? Come on. Football fan. I know we got a Chiefs fan in the house. Karis, I see you. Uh, I I was pulling for my Vikings but uh, I'm I'm disappointed they didn't make it. So (coughs) Here's what's not going to happen on the Super Bowl. You're not going to have one team that sends out their team and the other team that's like, well, we got this really good player, so we'll just send him out alone. Because he's really good, you know? Like, he can play all the positions. He's really good. We pay him a lot, you know? And and take care of it, right? I don't care if you're Tom Brady 15 years ago, Tom Brady, you know. uh, Doesn't matter if you're Tom Brady or whatever, uh, you're going to lose if you go out solo. (laughs) You will not win a game if you go on the football field by yourself, right? (laughs) It would not be good, if you will, right? Or as Genesis 2 would say, And we see that throughout scripture, God raises up teams and partners to accomplish his will. We see one person that tried to do it solo was Moses, right? The guy, you know, he couldn't even speak well, God gave him Aaron and then God gave up Gave him people, lift up his arms, and then he's still trying to do it on his own In, in Exodus 18. He's got millions of people he's leading. He's the only person that can care for people. So you got all these people waiting around, and God has to bring his father in law over and say, What are you doing, man? He says, you're going to wear yourself out. This is Jethro. He says, you've got to raise up teams and leaders. and You've got to have people around you, man. Otherwise, you're going to wear yourself out. Essentially, uh, Jethro says, quote, what you're doing is not good. Again, you see a parallel back to Genesis 2. Not good. It's not good. It's not good. And whenever people try and do it on their own, it's not good. Just like Jethro says. Moses, you're not going to win games alone. Chiefs or eagles, you're not going to win games alone, right? Now listen, you've got a calling. You have a calling from God. God has anointed you to be transformed and to be an emotionally healthy person that walks free from the generational sin that's gone before you. God has given you an anointing to, uh, uh, to, to have a possibly a healthy marriage one day. <clears throat> God has given you gifts to be a blessing to the world around you. God has given you uh, what you need uh, and God has called you to do different things. But just like there is no Tom Brady without a team and without coaches who have coached him throughout his life, and a dad who encouraged him and challenged him, and all these people, there's no Tiger Woods without people. I mean, even professional golfers still have coaches. Did you know that? Right? Just like there's no person whose name we know without whole teams of people around them, there is no great marriage or transformed life or calling that is fulfilled without a team of people. I know for me, something I just started doing is saying every season, who's my team? I've got friends alongside of me. I've got a life group I walk with. Uh, I've got an external board. I mean, because I'm a pastor, right? You don't need to have a personal external board. Uh, <laughs> I've got, <laughs> that's funny. Maybe some of you need that, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> but, um, I, you know, I've got a counselor and a spiritual director, people that I can call to speak in, to my life and build into me, people that have different gifts and expertises. We need a team. If you're going to be productive and fulfill the things that God has called you to do, I would say that all of us need a team of people around us. And so unapologetically as as a pastor, our desire is that one of those teams for you is Life Group. Life Group is a community of people who are following Jesus together, who love God, who, who love one another. And, and then as an the overflow, that go out and, and change the world around them. Now, that may not be the entirety of, of your team. You should have some people maybe with expertise around that. But, but who is your team that is championing you and building into you and your calling and cheering you on? Now, let's look at verse 10 of the second kind of marker of community and, and um, <clears throat> benefit of it. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Community provides stability, right? And so, my kids are learning to rollerblade right now. It's kind of the, the fresh thing we're doing. You know, they go on little, little waves that they get interested in. And so, uh, I don't buy anything new anymore, I just go on offer up only. Uh, so, because uh, you never know how long they're going to be in it. So, uh, so, we're doing the rollerblading thing. And um, uh, recently, with their school, they went to a skating rink. And so, uh, two of the kids had had skates already and blades, and they had figured out, the other one of our kids had never done it. And so they're out there, and it's kind of embarrassing because it's all their friends, and, and they were just falling again and again and again and again. And my wife was gracious. She didn't just say, as this pastor she says, Whoa to you, <laughs> you fell. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> she staked herself next to that kid and went with them again and again and again and encouraged that kid and loved that kid and said, you got it, don't give up, again and again and again, and they kept falling and kept falling, and guess what? They're probably the best on skates now in our family. But what was it? It was my wife that said, hey, I'm with you in this. You're stumbling and falling, and guess what? That's part of learning. If you don't fall, you're not going to skate. So Let's keep going. A fall is not the end of it, because let's go. You're going to learn this. And, and now they're the best skater of the kids. Listen, in life, you will stumble. In life, you will fall. You will have unexpected challenges. You will hit walls. You will stumble with temptation You will struggle at times. You will have to battle generational sin and strongholds that have been, you know, unfortunately passed down or learned. You will have to stand up against those. You will have conflicts that you don't know how to work through with people. You will stumble and fall sometimes. And the thing about falling is that no one plans on it. No one wakes up and is like, at about 11, I'm going to struggle today with this. And then at noon I'm going to fall into sin, and then uh, at two I'm going to schedule a life crisis. So let's let's plan all of that. You know, <clears throat> you don't plan to fall, but you can plan to have the right people around you when you do fall. You see, community surrounds, provides, loves, and restores when we're fallen. We need people like my wife with my kid who will stake themselves next to us that when life starts hitting the fan with us, they don't run and say, that looks tough, let's go do something fun with the people that I just like to do hobbies with. We need a community of people that's gonna say, I don't care whether you like the same stuff that I like or whether we have fun together or not, or even if your personality is like me, if you're the same age, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to stake myself next to you and do this journey. God restores lives like that. I love Andy Stanley said it like this. He's a pastor in Georgia. He said, I've never met anyone in authentic community whose broken heart left them broken. I've never let, met anyone in authentic community whose broken heart left them broken. Authentic community restores our heart and restores our lives. Do you have a community of people who will stake se- themselves next to you when stuff hits the fan? I know for me, uh, I shared three, four years ago and I just hit a wall and there was people a handful of you guys who are just like, hey, how you doing? And people outside this church as well who just walked with me and loved me and encouraged me. It wasn't sin. It was just like, man, I just can't see up from down. We need people around us to walk the way. I, uh, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we heard from uh, Jen and Rachel. They're in our life group, and I was just talking to them about, um, you know, what has life group been, and, and they sent this message. They said, we're so grateful as so we've seen God move through life group by encouraging us in the trenches of parenthood, especially with the anxieties of food, allergies, and eczema. We're grateful for a community that presses into the hard together and encourages one another in Christ and who also knows just to have fun too. Seeing our children loved on and seen and prayed together, prayed for and over has been an extra blessing. But that's our desire for what life groups are. Whatever stage you're in is to have people who are in the trenches with you who press into the hard instead of running from it together. Now let's look at verse 11. <clears throat> it says this, number three here. Again, if two lie together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Community is to be a place of encouragement. Community is to be a place of encouragement. You know, uh, we uh, we like to do fires in our backyards, we get a little fire pit, and uh, you know, one time actually, I, I I did the fire the night before. And I, uh, I thought, oh, okay, I'll just put the cover on it so no ashes go and, you know, sort of forest fire or something like that. And I thought, I was in a hurry the next morning, so I'm like, it'll be cool the next morning. So what I do is I throw the ashes in the little plastic, the big plastic bin, you know, the, the brown bin that's for the yard stuff. And I thought, man, it'll cool off overnight, you know. So I put it in there. I come back a few minutes later, the bin's smoking, you know, and it had been all night. It was cold out too. I thought surely these embers would have cooled down by now, uh, but they were still hot, hot enough that a fire had started in my bin, all right? So I had to get the hose out and water down the trash bin because you see when embers stick together, they hold heat, they stay on fire together. But you'd be amazed if I take an ember out and I just put it on the ground, how quickly it cools down. And I just want to say, life can be cold and hard sometimes. I don't know if you've seen that. I, I don't I don't I don't drive in traffic to get my daily dose of encouragement. I, I don't go to the store looking for someone to to build into my soul. You know? Most of us don't go to our jobs to to, to be built up, you know? Life can be hard. Relationships can be hard if Jesus is not in the middle of them, and even so, they can be hard. Things can get cold quickly in our heart. We have a tendency as human beings to drift, but when we are with Other people who are on fire for Jesus, other people that are living it out, other people that are are going, although imperfectly, where we want to go, it naturally lights a fire back up inside of us. But even two people, even if they're both cold, if they strike one another like two flint rocks, it can cause sparks that can start a fire again. Community helps light us up for the things of God. And I know we all need a fellowship of fire, if you will. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, uh, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love that. Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Man, let's do that. Like, what if our life groups are like, how we... Let's just brainstorm how we're going to love people and do good works. Like, let's just, let's just think of these crazy ideas, how we're going to be the most radical, loving people wherever we are in our jobs and the world around us. Let's stir one another up to love and good works. And so it says, don't stop meeting together. You see, there's something about gathering together in person that's connected with love and good works and staying on fire and being encouraged. It's important that we gather together. And on Sundays, there's a measure of that through the preaching of the word and worship and seeing people. But especially in life groups where we can really kind of get to know some people, that is where we can build one another up. It's it's where, man, I get built up when I get around. You know how I learned to follow Jesus was getting around people that spend time with Jesus, getting around people that have healthy marriages or healthy relationships or healthy you know single relationships, getting around people who walk with the Holy Spirit and have learned to fight and battle sin. That's how I learned to follow Jesus. Uh, I was talking to someone else in our life group, uh, and and they were saying life group has been a, a subtle rhythm. That has been a catalyst for tremendous growth. Gathering with believers has not only given us opportunities to share our lives, but also relationships that have spoken into the needs that we've had all the way back to childhood. Thanks, Zach and Elaine. Love you guys. Love having you in life group. Or, or last night, we were at a little send-off for Rochelle. Love you, Rochelle. She's moving up. We're sending her out to Stockton. And uh, by the way, a lot of people love you. Uh, there are a lot of people there. So uh, you're very loved. And, um, but I was saying, hey, what does is, what is Life Group been to you, Rochelle? She said Life Group gave me a community to do life with, good parts and bad parts. It gave me a place to grow in the Lord and to be more a part of my church. I think a key word is connected. Looking back on my Life Group journey, a place to love people and be loved, People who are for you, not against you. Also, a little shout out. She said, it also gave me a friend and a mentor named Julie Larson. Come on, Julie. By the way, the Larson's are gold. I don't know if you've been around them much, but there's a lot of gold in them. So uh, a lot of gold in Rochelle, too. Love you. Okay, number four, and we're going to move along here. Verse 12 says this. And though man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. Community gives us security. Uh, You know, one of the things that we see throughout Scripture is this analogy that God's people are like a sheepfold and that he is a good shepherd. And uh, I don't know how many of you have been out shepherding as a job, probably none of you. uh, But you might know enough to be aware that the most dangerous place for a sheep to be is alone. Why is that? Because there uh, are predators. There are wolves. There are, depending on where your location is, there are predators. And sheep, although they're just fluffy and great, uh, they're not always the smartest. You know, that's a whole other sermon. Psalm 23 is rich. Go sit in that for a while. Not always the smartest. And, and they, they don't necessarily have all the skill sets of a lion. I don't know if you noticed that about sheep. And so uh, <clears throat> they're very amazing, but uh, they're, they're not necessarily a predator. So uh, the, da- the most dangerous place for a sheep to be is separated from the flock. Now, the Bible says this about our enemy, Satan, and his crew. He says this Be sober minded, in First Peter 5 8 says, Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We have an enemy of our souls. We have one whose job it is to steal the glory of God from our lives. In order to do that, he wants to shut down God's work in and through your life. His main strategy is to get into your head by isolating you from others. And if we know that's his main strategy, and by the way, he doesn't... uh, if you see the temptation in the garden and you see the temptation of Jesus, he didn't come to them in a crowd and tempt them. His main strategy is to deceive us and get in our head and break trust with God through lies, but the location he does it is in isolation. So, I just think that's a very straightforward picture. I don't know how to say it. Don't be isolated. (laughs) Uh, Biblical community protects by seeing our blind spots. How many of you got blind spots, right? I got big ones. So uh, for those of you who didn't raise your hands, we can help you with that if you want. Uh, Biblical community speaks the truth in love even when it hurts. Biblical community wages spiritual warfare on our behalf. Because we are in a spiritual war and will go to bat for us. And I want to differentiate this kind of community just from an affinity group who likes to do the same things and has all the same personalities and would naturally be friends in the natural realm. You need a community of people who's going to go deeper than liking to hang out. You need a community of people who knows how to stand in the spirit when your life is hard. You need a community of people who's going to say the hard things to you, even when it hurts. You need a community of people that you can tell, I got blind spots, and if you can't see them, we'll say, you got blind spots. (laughs) And so, again, the older I get, the more I'm like, I need a lot of help. I've got people, and they know. I say, hey you need to help me in these areas. Like, this is your job, and it's my, it's my job, but, like, I'm giving you full permission to speak into my life. I got one of our, um, uh, one of my mentors, I'm just like, I don't even, help me to know how to spend my time, because left to myself, I just habitually overcommit to everything. You know, I just do it, and and my staff knows it, and Jameson knows. It. That's why he's laughing. And so that's why I, like, I, I, I need people in my life to say, I got a blind spot. Would you please help me? You know, like, I'm, I'm a human being. And the older I get, the easier it is if I just comply. You know, I'm just like, hey, I, I just need help, you know. And so I just want to give you permission. Let, make your life easier by letting some people know your blind spots. Just saying, could you please do this with me? You know, like, I, it's just not good to make decisions on my own. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. All um, right. Lastly, it ends by saying a cord of three is not quickly broken. And so we see the one, two, three kind of push right here of Solomon, uh, you know, as one person, but the more friends you have, the stronger you be. And I want to just make this quick so we can wrap it up here. Uh, but what's going on? You know, if you have one thread alone, it can hold a certain amount of weight, But if you wrap another thread along there, at the breaking point of that one thread, that second thread would keep it from breaking. But there will be a certain point of those two threads that would break. But if you wrap that third thread around, at the breaking point of those two threads, you would still have a rope holding together. And if you often see ropes are are threaded or kind of twisted together, what that twisting does is actually evenly distribute the weight load across all of the ropes by twisting it together just like God wants to do in community and you see this in many places not only with ropes but you see it with bridges so for example here's a a cable bridge you know these are cables probably ropes of of you know or not ropes but they are metal you know kind of twisted together you see it with the golden gate bridge if you want to go to that next picture that is what is holding up the Golden Gate Bridge. So, thousands of tons of pounds are being held up by cords of three. And when we drive over a bridge like that, we're completely trusting our life to cords of three. Right? (laughs) And so, it begs the question, what are we building the weight of our lives on? What are we driving the weight of our lives over? Are we going over a a little scrappy bridge, or are we building our lives in cords of three? Now, what is that third thread? And people use this in a nice marriage thing, in a cord of three, in Jesus. But really, whether you're married or not, we need community, and that third piece, man, is Jesus. Our life groups are not just affinity groups, or let me share my junk with you groups, or whatever they have to be Jesus in the middle groups, right? And so that's, that's our desire um, is, is that, man, we are in Jesus communities going after Jesus together. And I'm going to talk more about next with these five circles that our desire is that, you know, man, you need, we need to connect with Jesus individually and we all of a mission Uh, you know, we gather together in the temple, in the, you know, they said they met in the temple and church, but we need these through life groups, you know, where we can kind of have meet in homes, and then even within our life group, or us, our life group, have a few people that we get to walk with, men and men and women and women, you know, walking close together. We'll talk more about that next week. But just as we end, Ben, if you guys want to come up, a couple questions. Is there an area in our life that we are feeling isolated? Secondly, who are the people that God has around you? And maybe you don't know who that is and God wants to give that to you. And again, I don't care how gifted you are. In fact, if you're gifted, you probably need people more. <clears throat> we all need people around us. And lastly, is there a step the Holy Spirit is leading me to take? And is there something holding me back? Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you have done life group before and it's just stunk you know maybe you have done church before and it's hurt Uh, and so grace to you in that journey and you don't have to be arrived today but what I want to invite you to do is take a next step in that journey together And so um, I'm going to pray here and we're just going to take some time and respond If I can have some of our leaders available to pray, if you have any prayer needs at all, maybe it's uh, related to this sermon, maybe some pain or hurt that this conversation brings up in relationships. It's like, man, I just, I did not grow up in a family that did relationships. Maybe that's you and we want to pray for you. But maybe there's something completely unrelated. You want to know Jesus today or you have just a stressor in your life um, going on unrelated to this. We want to pray for you as well. So if some of our leaders can Come and be available. I'm going to pray as we end. Father, thank you as we respond. If just want to invite us to stand, maybe, Father, we just, we come before you, and we pray, lead us, God. Lead us into community with your people. And God, I pray, continue to raise up communities in a church and through our church that change lives. Let's respond here.